go. There we go. What episode is this? This is episode nine. You're number nine. That's incredible. Lucky number nine. All right, my next guest is an organizer here at the Esperanza Peace and Justice Center, located off of Evergreen and San Pedro. If you don't know that, it's right next to the Bill Millers by the Via Bus Station. <laughs> <laughs> Landmarks. Um, she's lived all over Texas. She's lived in Mexico, this little pueblito that you don't know about and you shouldn't know about because it's none of your business. My next guest is Yaneth Flores, right? Yes. How are you? You're like, is that really your name? <laughs> is that your government name? Are you lying to me? <laughs> um, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. I just left Barrio Barista, so I'm like kind of full, kind of sleepy, mm-hmm. but I'm awake now. I'm good. I'm good. I feel great. I feel great. I'm getting there. I'm yeah. working my way to there. You're working your way up to there? I feel that. How's your Wednesday going? What are you up to today? Um, today I'm actually um, doing a lot of things. I am going out of town tomorrow, and I'm going to be gone for a minute, so I'm trying to prep some stuff. Um, some of our folks are going to be at the Zine Fest this weekend at the um, public library at the Enchilada, and yeah. um, folks are going to be there from... 8 a.m. I think it officially starts at 9, 9 to 4.30 mm-hmm. um, with some of the Mi Barrio No Se Vende stuff, um, the zine that a lot of folks worked on. So check it out if if you're free on Saturday. Nice. Um, where are you going? I'm going to Atlanta. Atlanta. Dope. Yeah. What are you going to do out there? I'm actually meeting up with Graciela and we are going to the... Um, 50th anniversary of the oldest community land trust in the nation. Wow. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to meet those folks. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about, like, the work that they have been doing forever. Uh, and ways that we can potentially, like, start that conversation here, right? Like, take ownership of our of our spaces and especially of our housing as well. Yeah. Wasn't the first, if I'm not mistaken, from the research that I did a while back for a story, wasn't the first housing projects over there in Atlanta? I don't think so. No? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it might have been Chicago. I know that our, the Alasana Pacha Courts on the west side of, of San Antonio are the second oldest public housing Yeah, that I do in know. In the nation. Because yeah. uh, Roosevelt, she had visited yeah. the west side and then she went back told her husband how th- we were living. Or yeah. at least our ancestors were living at that time. Um and it's so long ago. It's not even that long ago. It's only by a couple of months. It's the second oldest, only by a couple of months, too. Um, so what else are you working on? Um, man, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm primarily um, just trying to wrap that up. I'm also working on some like personal projects that I uh, have been procrastinating on. And yeah, <laughs> work, life. What kind of projects is it? Like art? Is it? Um, does that to do with the community? I am doing some um, anti-white supremacy research mm. um, for this other gig that I have, and nice. Yeah, and that that's heavy work. It's like I have to pace myself in that because it's a lot of trauma and it's a lot of really difficult um, topics. Yeah. So I try to take that very slow as I, as I do further and further research. Awesome. Um, when did you become an organizer? When did I become an organizer? Um, I, I did some organizing in college, 
And then I came on staff here at the Esperanza um, May of last year. Oh, wow. And I really... I I don't know. I wouldn't say that... You know, I think I still have a lot to learn um, yeah. when it comes to organizing. I think we all do. Um, but I guess official, officially, right, in, in that transition, um, I guess coming from, from university... Um, and you can hear, um, for reference, <laughs> we are in the closet. <laughs> yeah. We are uh, in the closet of the Esperanza right now. And you can hear folks outside yelling, as they often are. <laughs> um, and so if people hear that, I'm sorry. It's not the kukui, or is it? Hmm, it's, sp- it's spooky season, so this may be a scary episode. Just kidding, just kidding. It's a Rasquache recording setup, um, <laughs> sponsored by um the cylinder that we're sitting the cylinder that we're sitting around (laughs) um yeah so i guess i got into politics um really um late you know as as i was a teenager kind of growing up um in a very small town uh, on the coast of texas and we're talking like obama right like obama had just came into office blah 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 um we're feeling that tension um and I'm also feeling the tension of, of Mexico also like changing um, presidencies, presidents. Um, so Calderon um, came into office. That's when Vicente was leaving, right? Yeah, folks left. Uh, Calderon came in, um, and and you're seeing like change in policy both in the U.S. and and Mexico, and that's sort of where like I started to become more politicized mm-hmm. and become more aware of the huge inequalities that um, our folks, that our hint, our community are facing every single day and it became more and more apparent um, as I got older and it also became more apparent that I had to do something about it right mm-hmm. like we it is you know as someone who holds significant privilege um, like you have to step up right yeah. you have to step up and you have to be willing to like put in the effort put in the time put in the energy and if you got the money put in the money right um, one thing that I've noticed when I've had conversations with people who who immigrate here, they always talk about their privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's important to recognize that before anything? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You can you can say whatever you want. Okay, yes. Oh, shit, that scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I totally do. I think um, for myself, um, I have a college degree. Yeah. My parents don't, right? My parents didn't. My parents um, have an elementary school education. Um, they don't speak English. They are... A beautiful in every and any way they have rejected assimilation to the fucking core they're like assimilation is death and you're right i, I agree <laughs> I, I don't want to <laughs> assimilate and i'm not wanting or needing to and and there's also some sort of like privilege in that but um they have definitely rejected assimilation and they are like um like you know um visibly brown right like yeah um so i can enter a lot of spaces that they can't and I have access to a lot of language they don't. And I try my damn hardest to ensure that I'm bridging that gap. Yeah. Um, and kind of like also um, moving my family along um, these like political um, conversations. But oh yeah, I definitely have privilege. I have privilege as someone who has a green card, as a green card holder. Mm-hmm. Someone who has the luxury of being able to cross a border. Um, that is an immense privilege that so many people that I know, so many of... My close friends um, do not have. Oh, man. 
what's that? Do you ever have um like guilt because of that at times or no? I don't. I I guess so. I in the sense that I wish that everybody could do that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, borders and are man made. Um, borders are um, an idea of of a settler nation state that is rooted in in white supremacy and i would love for every and every person to be able to cross um across these man-made um borders freely yeah as we were as we did before um you said you moved here when you were 11 right mm-hmm. uh, what was that transition like coming to the states Coming to the States was, um, yeah, I, I immigrated in 2007, um, and it was difficult. Um, I didn't speak any English. I was baby, you know, um, (laughs) I was baby and I was also... You know, I didn't have much guidance, and a lot of migrants don't. Yeah. Um, so it's silly of me to even say that. But I think just for everybody else, it, it it's a difficult moment, right? It's a difficult moment to, like, become accustomed to a different country, um, to a different language, to a different way of living. Um, when I lived in Mexico, you play on the streets, right? You yeah. You have that communal way of living, and I was very, very lucky that I had an amazing, like, colonia, right? I lived in, um, I lived in a couple of different places in Mexico, but the, the last place that I lived was in Reynosa. And it, it was a community, right? Like, everybody knew each other, everybody spoke to each other, and coming to the U.S., that wasn't the case. It was a lot of, um, it's an individualistic country and, and mm-hmm. a lot of folks do assimilate into an individualistic country. And unfortunately that, that pulls us away from community. Yeah. Yeah. I started to notice that as I got a little bit older, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of neighbors from Mexico. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew everybody, everybody communicated. You knew your neighbor's name, you knew their kids, you know, what schools they went to. But once I started to move to other neighborhoods, it's like, you can go, Years without even knowing their name. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, even to, to this day, you know, I, I, I don't even know. The only neighbors that I know are the viejitos next door and it's because they always wave at me. So I just, you know, talk to them. But then my neighbors, ne- the, my other neighbors, they're like teachers and they just keep to themselves. And it's like, y'all are lame, man. Like, you should live in an apartment or something mm-hmm. <laughs> if you, if you want to be like that. But no, I, I get where you're coming from as far as that goes. You lived in the valley, right? For a bit? Yeah. Um... Mm-hmm. Was that sense of community there? Because I feel like when I visited there earlier this year, there was a sense of community. But I could be wrong. I was just there for two days. You know, I don't remember. I don't remember a lot. Um, and it was very brief. But I don't, I don't know. I think that there is hot takes. Yannette yeah. has hot takes. Hey, uh, spit that fire, queen. I think that there is some, like, well, I, I don't think, I know. I know that there's a lot of hostility towards Mexican migrants um, from Mexican-American folks, from folks that have been living here from generations. Yep. Uh, and some of the people that were the meanest, um, the most racist and xenophobic people to me 
um, were Mexican-American folks. They um, shamed everything and anything about me. And, and you know, and that's not to say that the white folks weren't racist, because they definitely were. <laughs> but it's... Um, it it's, caught you, like, like it yeah. blindsided you? Because the people that look like you, it's like, whoa, what exactly. is this coming from? Right, yeah, I expected... I guess I, um, you know, I... I was expecting some solidarity. Um, yeah. And again, like, there is privilege in that. There's privilege of, of um, at the end of the day, right, there's still a lot of Mexican-American folks that do come through for Mexican migrants. They don't come through for Central American migrants. They don't come through for um, South American migrants. And they definitely don't come through for, for Black, um, Latinx, mm-hmm. or um, other migrants. Oh, man. It's, it's crazy that you say that. I remember, because um, my dad's from Mexico, so mm-hmm. literally... His whole side of the family is from Mexico, except for maybe, maybe eight cousins. The rest of the rest of them are from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Then you have my mom's side. You know, they're from here. My mom's from here, and um, they would make jokes, you know, about me. Um, and they thought it was funny, and you know, it would bother me. I was like, bro, like, okay, like, it was funny at first initially, but now it's just like, like chill, like, um, you know, I, I just feel bad for like them. You know, because I can defend myself, but, you know, sometimes they can't because they don't even know what they're saying about them. You know, they're saying these slurs and all this other stuff. And it's just like, they don't even know that you're insulting them. And that's pretty messed up. Um, but I had I had family that were like that. I had, you know, peers in grade school because you had the ESL kids and then you had us. And one thing that I hated that they would call the ESL kids because I was friends with a lot of ESL kids and they would call them the Spanish kids. Like, like if they I'm like, bro, they're just students just like us. In fact... Most of these kids are smarter than a lot of us over here because they're learning English. They're actually paying attention to the damn teacher. And sure enough, you know, looking back, they went a lot further than, you know, we Mexican-American students. Um, And (laughs) I kind of, I don't like to look down on people's, like, not so much struggles, but them not succeeding. But I was just like, man, all that shit y'all talked in, you know, my... My homies over here that came over here didn't even know our language. They adapted and, you know, they, they made the most with their with their situation. So shout out to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally, totally. I think I never um, – fuck a college degree, right? Like fuck a college degree first and foremost. Yeah. But um, my brother is like the ultimate bad bitch, like straight up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because he is um, – People were so shitty to him. People were so shitty to him. Um, he was in he was in second grade when when we um, came here, and he didn't obviously didn't speak English just yeah. like me, and um, had a, a lot of difficulty learning and, and picking up the language. Um, and they wanted to hold both of us back a grade, and my mom was, you know, my mom was just like, "Hell no, no, my kids." are not going to be held back a grade. You know, they're out here trying and, and they're doing their best and, yeah. and they can, if you get, if you give them a chance, like they will succeed. Mm-hmm. And I hate, I hate that. Like give us a chance bullshit. But, um, he ended up just totally killing it. Um, I remember his senior year, he's, he's younger than me. So his senior year, he, um, was like on track to being valedictorian. Holy right? shit. And that's when the racism jumped out. <laughs> that's mm. when all these people and started to try to come at him some type of way because he's not from here. Um, he's a wetback. Um, he doesn't be- like he doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Um, 
what about us, right? What about like us, the white kids that are deserving of, of being valedictorian and all of this shit, like they were just, it, it was honestly super gross. And I, I didn't, the saddest part is that I also heard that from some teachers Mm. Um, and of course none of them were ever going to say it to my face cause I would have checked them so damn quick, you know, yeah. but I, I heard like through the grapevine and I, I believe it. Right. I, there's other different indications, uh, of people being racist, yeah. um, that I'm like, okay, you said that like that totally falls in line with your previous behavior. And he, um, well, obviously he still graduated, um, bad Victorian, um, is now at UT Austin, oh, but it's nice. like, yeah, you know what? Fuck these people. They they did not believe in any way, shape, or form that you were deserving of this. Like this even holds some level of recognition and reality, right? He just hustled. He hustled so hard, and he is such an amazing person inside and out. So I'm I'm always rooting for that kid. Always. So what grade is he in right now? Is he like a just, he's a senior? He's a senior. Oh, nice. What's he uh, majoring in? He is studying communications. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, I know. Love. What does he want to pursue? Ultimately? He wants to do advertising. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I know. I love another, him. another brown con major. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. He's my favorite person. He's my best friend, and um, I adore him. He's constantly being. I'm like a mom. Like when I talk about my brother, I'm like, I love that kid. <laughs> he is constantly being featured on the fucking UT like. Uh, like comms page as like one of the few brown people in the program so it's like there's pictures of like you know like um candidates of people and they're like a lot of them are of him and i'm like this shit's kind of sketch but you know i know it is what it is like you don't want to feel like the token Mm -hmm. whatever person oh man but i mean that's still great though that he's He's pursued that and he's still accomplishing everything that he's wanted to. Um, so where did you go to school? Did you go to UTSA? Yeah, I went to UTSA. Um, I I actually studied communications as well. Oh, let's go. Yeah. I didn't I, go to UTSA, but... Hell yeah. I, I didn't. I went to Tamusa. Mm-hmm. Keep it on the south side. <laughs> Keep it on the south side. <laughs> Puro UTSA. <laughs> I, would, I would drive to... To like a parking spot in my school, and you see cows and yeah. hogs running around. It's like, is this is this college legit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's uh, that's just Aggie land for you, right? <laughs> like, that's any B A N M branch <laughs> minus the you know, minus the white people, oh, for which real. was great. I loved it so much. Everyone looked like me. There was, and it wasn't your because when I got there, freshmen and sophomores didn't exist, so you're transfer students. So you had people in their 40s. It was really badass to see, like, people who, they have kids who are almost my age and they're still pursuing their education and that was really badass to see. That's why I like, that's why I like that. I'm proud of that I graduated from there. It wasn't your typical college experience. But I think that's what makes it better. Exactly. Yeah. Um, why did you want to study communications? Why do I want to study communications? Ah! <laughs> I honestly, um, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy writing, um, and I also enjoy the science of communications, right? Mm, um, I like that you said that. Yeah, I think that it's almost like being, it's almost like studying psychology, but in a more accessible way. 
Yeah. Um, if that's a way to describe it. So I yeah I really liked um, all of all that and, and at the I did theater in high school right I was super into into theater I wish that I would have had like the opportunity to do more in that but it just like wouldn't give <laughs> with with my life. Yeah. But um, I I actually started college as a business major I think like literally every other person in the world, right? I think My like, minor was business. Yeah, you know. That was the you, first thing that I saw. I was like, okay, I'll do business. I mean, I didn't know any better when I started college. Mm. Like, fuck, when I started college, I was straight up the first person in, fuck, like, in my entire family to ever <laughs> go to school, right? So it's like, you just get there and, like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing on, you know, when you're signing up for shit. So... How difficult is it to, like, create that blueprint for your family? Um... I think it's been as difficult as anything else. Yeah. Um, it was, I didn't have a lot of that guidance. Like, in, you know, in high school, I, I didn't know that I was going to go to college until um, probably, like, my sophomore year. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's when, like, people were talking about college. Like, it was a thing that I could do when I was, like, you know what, maybe. Like, maybe I had a really um, amazing, I had... Um, I had a really great um, art teacher. Yeah. That's, that's like, really weird. I had a really amazing art teacher who was honestly one of my biggest cheerleaders in high school and really, like, encouraged me to do a lot of things. That uh, He was, like, this white man who was just, like, really down, you know? He was just like, you can do anything that you want. And I was like, can I? I can. Um, so that's sort of when I, I started to kind of identify that as a possible future after um high school and and it was a lot of figuring things out it was a lot of totally getting royally fucked over by um by a lot of like my high school teachers and my guidance counselor who again it's really not on her to like give me step by step but it's also on her to identify like this is a student this is a first gen student mm-hmm. um migrant baby let's figure out the step-by-steps of how to get her to school or just how to get this person to whatever they want to do. And I think that's what being a great guidance counselor is about. And, and that was not the case for mine. Mine were a low-key racist. Oh, so it's not like they were ever going to be there for me. Um, yeah. But I figured it out and and I fucking took hella notes and I like gave all the shit to my brother. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this, right? Like we're going to do this and we're going to make sure that you get the best and the most out of this. So, um, so how old are you? Secret. I'm 23. 23? Yeah. You're younger than me? Yeah. Oh, man. The person I recorded, uh, Isaiah, I recorded the podcast with him. I thought he was older than me, and he's 23 as well. Damn. I'm no, I'm so used to being, like, one of the younger people at any space. Younger you person know? in school, youngest person at, you know, at my jobs. And now I'm, like, I'm becoming the, the, the old head <laughs> I want you to edit that out of this podcast only because people find out my age and they do not take me seriously mm. after that. I, I, I know that I'm already taking less seriously just for being a brown woman. Yeah. But the the second... And I just turned 23, right? So I okay. was 22. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and a lot of... A lot of people would find out my age and they'd be like, okay, that discredits anything and everything. You know, what does she really know? And... I know a lot, right? I mean, I don't know everything that there is to know about this world. There is still so much room to grow and to learn and to experience. But I think... You're not a normal 23-year-old. 
is what you're saying. <laughs> I, you're being humble. Well, I think <laughs> that... I think that res- always respect your elders, right? But I think, like, elders know so much. And Cristel said this. Cristel is sitting across the fucking... Shout out, Cristel. She's in the room next door. Hey! I hope she can hear us. <laughs> what? Is that your, like, your your bet signal? It's, it's my call. My <laughs> She's going to crash you the ceiling? <laughs> no, we were talking about this the other day because I was kind of bringing it up with her. And I'm like, oh, it's just so hard. You know, like, people do this shit all the time. And I'm tired of it. And, and I know everybody, everybody else is feeling it. Uh, or every other 22-year-old is feeling it. Yeah. But she said there's so much that uh, elders know. Like, they know so much about something, but folks our age know so much about something totally different, right? Like, work. that's why I, I feel like working um, intergenerationally is super critical. Like, there's so much knowledge in that. Yeah. Um, there's so much knowledge that we hold just about the world as it is today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so much knowledge that they hold about the world as it was and, and the way that they're experiencing. And and in general, that's why I don't want to ever, like, you know, the youth hold so much power. Like, kids are the future, and their knowledge is not to be dismissed yeah. on the grounds that they're, like, you know, like, 13 or 14 or whatever. You kind of, like, I started to really, and I understood, like, older people you know discredit younger generations but it got really really ugly with um those kids that from that one high school in florida mm. when they started to speak out oh my gosh yeah. like you had like people in their 50s and 40s just attacking literally kids who were smart ass kids like the stuff that they know at that age, I, I I knew I didn't know half of that. Like it was, it's incredible how intelligent they are, and for people to discredit them, it's like, bro, like this is literally the future, and you're putting them down, you're mm-hmm. derailing them, you're insulting them. It's like, how do you expect the future to be in a great place when you're literally trying to limit the future? Totally, totally. I think that we don't. For me, I I want to uplift yeah. younger voices more. Um. So you graduated what last year? Mm, yeah. Well, was it in spring or fall? It was in the spring. Oh, me too. Oh I my graduated god! Graduated in May twenty eighteen. Look at us. Hey. Look at us. It feels like it was so much longer than last year. True. It took me four and a half years to five years, más o menos, because I was at SAC for three years, mm-hmm. but I I was at A and M for a year and a half. Once I went to university level, I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of this place because I just want to start my career. Mm-hmm. But totally. Yeah. What was it like crossing the stage? I didn't walk. Oh, you didn't walk? I didn't walk. Why not? Um, I didn't walk because... I wish I could have done that, but my family didn't allow me to. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I didn't walk because my... Because it actually was very inaccessible to my family. Um, it was going to be difficult for them to get there, first mm-hmm. and foremost, right? Again, like, my parents are Rancho AF. You always, you, you said that the other day. I'm not fucking I kidding. Love it. They're Rancho AF. They don't fuck with technology, and they don't want to fuck with technology. Um, they don't know how to use a GPS, dude. I don't know how, and... Uh, do they have, like, physical maps? <laughs> no. <laughs> my dad is just crazy. <laughs> He's out there, like, wilding it, like, straight up. He's like... Um, licks no, his finger and then puts it, his finger in the air. He's like, she lives that way. <laughs> y tampoco así de que, like, fuck that. Um, obviously, my brother could have, like, really <laughs> out. Like, you know, it's not like we're not over here in the Stone Age or something. Um, but it was going to be, like, diff- like a whole ordeal. Um, um, they weren't going to understand any part of the ceremony. Yeah. Aside from my name. I hate UTSA ceremonies. 
And we were just going to chill there for hours. And at the end of the day, like, I could give less fucks about the ceremony, right? I know it means yeah. a lot to a lot of folks, but... For me, it was really about getting that, like, actually just getting the diploma in yeah. the mail, being like, I have, this is mine. Like, mm-hmm. I, this is, this is the work of my parents. This is theirs. And, mm-hmm. and this is mine. And, like, my mom has it at our house. Like, all, like, you know, standing up in the fucking little um, coffee table and stuff. Um, Did you take pictures, at least? Yeah, I took graduation uh, pictures. Did you decorate your cap? I decorated my cap. What was on your cap? Um, Let me show you a picture. I decorated hey. my cap. Hey, yeah. I decorated my cab and I took some pictures so my mom could send them out to yeah. to family because ultimately uh, most of my family lives in actually a lot of my family lives in Mexico. I have a few cousins that live here in the U.S. Um, and they weren't they couldn't come. That, yeah. They can't um, come here. So it was just going to be my parents and my brother. And that's kind of like you don't want to feel like you're excluding other people. Yeah. Um, so, but I took the photos so that my mom could send them out to people and my grandparents were so so excited and it like always warms my heart. Just, they have a huge picture of me (laughs) in their living room. That's so dope. And anytime that any of their uh, friends come over or stuff, they, they just, they talk, they, I'll be sitting right there with them and they'll like ramble on and on and on about like me graduating and I'm like, just stop. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about that? Because I, I feel some type of way when people like say good things about me because I'm not used to that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Who did that? Was that you? That so, did- no. That was decorated by Yvonne at um, Calaveras on St. Mary's. Wow. Yeah. Uh, her at is ink hash like. Your fit, too. Your fit compliments my the cap. fit. Yeah. That's dope. Oh my god, that that is beautiful. Shout out to artists, man. Yeah, shout out. Okay, let so me. So creative. It, what's her What's her handle? So it's shout it out. Um, it's ink dot fiend, and her name is Yvonne Garza. She's a badass tattoo artist at Calaveras. Hit her up. She's amazing. Um, she yeah, she decorated my cap. Um, at you know as as a graduation gift and it was awesome yeah that's so dope so um so as soon as, so you were already working by the time you graduated you were already here right um what was it like getting here initially i actually found the esperanza through one of my college professors and um i i was a woman's studies minor um yeah. and that meant and i was a woman's studies minor i think out of comfort um, out of having classes with um, professors that were of color, um, with professors that looked like me, and with professors that were really like sharing the stories of my community, and most of my comp professors were white, and all of them mm. were male except for two, so that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were awesome, all of them, but some of them, <laughs> but they were still. I mean, there's still kind of like a difference in that, right? Um, so one of my professors talked about the Esperanza a lot and I, and I thought, okay, you know what, let me check it out. And I, I came to an event and it was so nice, right? It was so nice to be in a space that really cared, uh, maybe not necessarily like about me, like they didn't know me, but, um, they cared about me they cared about my community. They cared about, um, my culture and they were 
doing the work to ensure that that folks like myself and folks like my parents um, have access to these spaces and have access to the arts, which is, is so, it's like a lifeline, right? Yeah. Um, while being here, was there a certain issue that you, you just didn't know about and you're just passionate about it now? <laughs> she did a little dance. <laughs> That's my thinking dance. <laughs> That's my thinking dance. I I think Hay Street Bridge. Okay. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Ooh. Oh, that's a story. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well, hey, the, the saga around Hay Street Bridge is crazy. It is really about, it's like a novel. It's, yeah. it's a... Yeah, it's a nonfiction novel about uh, how schemy the fucking city of San Antonio is, yeah. um, how they are so quick, so quick and so um, willing to sell out the people, community, uh, public land uh, and facilitate the way for for gent- the gentrification of of our neighborhoods. And um, so when I first heard about Hayes, I didn't understand what it was you know yeah being straight up right i didn't know i didn't know all the layers of corruption and oh my god you know i wish you know you know that cristal is here because you can hear her across <laughs> the, across the wall to the vent moving shit but um it was <laughs> she has the coolest hair too yeah like she, it's super dope she really has awesome hair we'll insert a picture look you can hear her phone <laughs> <laughs> it's not an old phone it's, it's her iphone <laughs> Bueno. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I have a friend that always answers the phone and he's like, yellow. Oh my God, that's I my know, dad. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> but layers and layers and layers and layers of corruption uh, and of like, you know, people following through a democratic process and it being totally ignored, right? It's, um, I think it's the epitome of, of democracy in the United States. It's the epitome of, of a... Um, system that was built for others, right? It wasn't built for us, so yeah. it's never going to work for us. So mm. that shit needs to go in order for it to work. I remember you were telling me that the other day when we when we had met up. Fuck yeah, that's that and um, get out of the way. Those are my mottos in life. Oh right? yes, yes. <laughs> Dismantle please, please. white supremacy and get the fuck out of the way. Um, can you talk about allies? Allies. <laughs> <laughs> the way allies. You, you did that the way like a parent when they're like hitting their kid. B J R K. No, no. And they're saying all the syllables. <laughs> allies. <laughs> um. Al- what do you mean? Um, Define. Because we were talking about allies the other day, and we're talking yeah. about how it's one thing to be an ally, and then it's one thing trying to be a face when you shouldn't be one. Yes. Get the fuck out of the way. Um. You yeah. know. Yeah, get the fuck out of the way. Uh, I have feelings about get the fuck out of the way because yeah, you know what? I think uh, I think I have a, a great um, analysis. No, I'm kidding. Um, I I know this this person, one of my um, colleagues per se. Um, her name is uh, Miriam, and and she talks about this a lot. And it's about really, really, really being an ally. Um, to black women, to black trans women in particular, uh, really being an ally uh, and building transformative solidarity, uh, building solidarity that really is formed by the people and like we're backing each other up all the fucking way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because 
at the end of the day, like we're all getting screwed together. Yeah. Um, so how can we, how can we really like liberate ourselves together? But also moving out of the way, right? There are fights that you and I are only going to support. You, we we can we will not lead. Yeah, um, it exactly. is room like other folks need to lead and other folks need to st- um, like kind of be elevated in that um, and take uh, take lead because that's not our our job. Like that's not us. Mm-hmm. That's um, taking space when we shouldn't. Um, that's making it. Um, I mean, it's it's really I think a lot about ego. Like yeah. when people don't get the fuck out of the way, it has a lot to do with ego mm. uh, and it being like a fucking like over here trying to be celebrity art activists like get out you know like there ain't no room for i've seen that a lot where people they they start whether it's an organization or whatever and they start to make it about themselves and it sucks because the idea or like the issues that they that they shine a light on it's like oh man this is incredible i'm glad you're doing this but they're like their ego you know they just want to make it about themselves and it's like it's not about you it's about something bigger than us yeah yeah, it's I I truly, sincerely believe in grassroots um, movement building. Uh, I I really believe in community and people power, and I think I I want to explore this more because I'm not really like I don't have a lot of um, I haven't thought a lot about it or I haven't really like done any research or whatever outside of of very minimal stuff but um that's cool though like you're you're acknowledging that you know i don't know much about this but i'm going to at some point and but guess, i'm gonna say it anyway <laughs> yeah but, but you're not faking it though you're not you know a lot of people they, they they know they know stuff at a surface level and then they they'll go on a thread or whatever it is and and then there's someone who actually has knowledge in it and it rubs them the wrong way it's like bro like what are you doing right yeah i think we're all learning and we're all growing and and we need to leave room for that but this is like individualism uh, mm-hmm. and individualistic um, way of living here, and I think in the ways that it's found its way mm-hmm. into collectivist collectivist cultures. Um, how is that really shaping like our movements, um, and how is that poisoning our movements? Right, because I, I again I believe in in community. Um, I believe in people, in people power, and that's peoples, not a single person leading um it's about more than that it's and and I have a lot of like I've been wanting to explore some ideas about the way that individualistic um tendencies and just the individualistic culture of the United States um perpetuated of course by the media Mm -hmm. how is that shaping um the way that some of our folks unfortunately are doing work um I had a question oh, what was i gonna ask you oh since you've been with esperanza what victories have you seen that you're most proud of haze aside from haze because i know you know what i never thought i never i mean i did like you know you believe it and you and you really are like yes yeah, so, like we're gonna do it but like we did it yeah we did it and yeah haze was whoa what was what got that you know across the finish line because I, I understand, like, y'all, you, you know, it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I think it was a lot of strategic um, moves, for sure. Um, some some definitely very, 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 very well thought out. Um, some 
almost accidental uh, moves, but at the end of the day, it was totally people power, right? It was like people showing the fuck up, uh, people. We have power. Um, yeah. I know sometimes that it, it feels like we don't, and especially in, in a state like Texas and the political climate of of this nation, it feels like we don't, mm-hmm. but we do, right? Um, like we all show up somewhere. We do like a, we occupy something. There's what, 500 of us? Facile, that 500? That's a lot. Like that yeah. is power. We hold so much power, even just in existence, right? Like <clears throat> yeah. not to be all cheesy and like romantic, but like our existence is resistance. Um, so we hold power. She's not a rapper though, but she's got bars. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's a you know, it's a, a phrase and a slogan that a lot of folks yeah have been using for a long time, but we hold power and I and I think the victory of haste really and and we're not done really there's still so much work to do but it was really about people and it was about east side folks like definitely like uh, taking ownership of like this our fucking neighborhood Mm -hmm. um what what other issues in san antonio are you looking to like look or looking to tackle at any point in the future whether it's next year or the end of this year or you never know. They just come at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think right now I'm, I'm really um, very, very invested in the paid sick time struggle. And oh, yeah, actually, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually going to city council on Thursday. Um, the vote is on Thursday morning. So, again, if anybody is out there and wanting to go, check it out. Again, your voice has so much power. And I won't be here, but um, I, I fully believe in... Um, paid sick time. I hate the fact that we had to fight for paid sick time, but yeah. again, Texas ain't gonna give it to us. Um, and and I want to see folks like my family uh, have paid sick time and and have access to like self care. Right? I've I've been. I think a lot of folks have been on on a self care mood. I know I'm. I am. Like yeah. I'm, I'm trying to take care of myself. Shit. And ways that um, our community does not have access to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know my dad has never taken a day, like a sick day. Yeah. I mean, obviously he doesn't get paid sick, paid sick time off, but he would never call in if he's sick. Um, he's going to go to work, you know, and and that's not, and, and because he doesn't get paid and, and he needs yeah, to get paid. Yeah, we don't have paid. that luxury. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, you know, I don't want <laughs> our, our communities to do that. I, I want our folks to be able to take care of ourselves. I I want us to to thrive and to have be able to to spend time taking care of ourselves um spending time with our families and just like better we we deserve una vida digna too right like the good life we deserve to have a great quality of life um just like the whites do just like the whites (laughs) true true i usually give people the floor i tell them talk your shit so you can talk your shit about anything, and you can gloat about yourself or something that you're pat, you're like you're you're upset about. You can talk your shit about that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Floor. No pressure. It's okay. You know what I've seen on the twitters. Uh, there's there's been in the last few days some. Good, good, healthy call outs and call ins um, mm-hmm. for the Latinx community. Mm-hmm. Happy Latinx Month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that shit's so amazing um, because yeah. 
like, you know, Latina, I think the concept of Latinidad is, is U.S. made. Uh, yeah. Unarguably. But, you know, every time I say unarguably, there's always somebody that comes in and is like, actually. And I'm like. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, the concept of, of Latinidad is, is U.S. made and, and the, like, I, I mean, I find comfort in my Latinx family, right? Yeah. And, and the Latinx folks that I can, like, bump into, like, when I'm somewhere away or whatever. But in reality, we, there ain't no solidarity in the Latinx community. That's um, true. There isn't. And I think that's where we do have to do a lot of that really, really important, um, Solidarity building, um, transformative work mm. where we, again, are, are ride or die for each other because we are not centering um, those that are most most impacted. We're not centering um, Afro-Latinx folks. I was going to say that. We're not centering uh, black uh, gente and mm-hmm. and we need to. Yeah. And, and I see it so much uh, in Mexico. Um, Mexico is notoriously racist. It is a racist country. Um, it's crazy, though, because Mexico had the first black president in North America. And, like, I don't I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I think as the years go by, we get worse and worse. Yeah. Only, I'm like, just because of the United States. No, I think as the years go by, we get worse and worse. And it probably has a lot to do with U.S. media, too, but um, Mexican media is kind of like the pinnacle of um, Latin America sometimes, right? Um, Univision is um, oftentimes really highlighting only Mexican um, artists or Mexican um, actors, actresses, whatever, and we don't, like, there ain't effort being put in, in really uplifting the voices of a, Central American folks, mm-hmm. folks but uh, Afro-Latinx yeah. um, gente. And, and I've seen some really good, really good, again, call-ins and call-outs um, on yeah. online. And and I think that's awesome. And I, I definitely am trying to make an effort to check my family in a kind way, right? Because I, I do love them. Yeah. Um, whenever anti-black um, comments are made and... Yeah. Overall, Latinx community really needs to make an effort to be anti-racist, to really be anti-racist in our in our work, uh, be anti-racist in our lives, and be anti-racist in our movement. Mm. I like that. Anything you want to plug? Mm. Any of your handles or any? I am Yanerth on Twitter, Instagram, and Venmo. Venmo, hey, send the queen some dinero because she's out here doing great work. I am. I, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, kind of. <laughs> She's humble. Some days, some not. <laughs> nah. Um, and you can find me, obviously, at Sports Kai Jose on Instagram, Twitter, MySpace, um, Christian Mingle. And I'm just kidding. I don't believe in God. <laughs> um, Farmers <laughs> only. <laughs> Rancho por vida. Let's go. Rancho por vida. We're, that's going to be the title of this. Rancho por vida. Thank you for giving Started me the Started from time. the rancho. Now we here. There we go. <laughs> that wraps it up for episode nine. Woo. Stay brown. <laughs> rancho.